Okay, what? so the show Not is the now live. <laughs> so here we are. General Quarters, Security Condition 3. GQ, Security 3, sir. General Quarters 3, Intruder Alert. GQ 3, Intruder Alert. Condition 3 only means one thing, and I'll tell you in just a second. Hi, good evening. Welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon, the podcast with more celebrities than the inauguration. I am your hostess, your cruise director, your spiritual advisor, Madam Perry, but you can call me Jennifer Perry or Jen, and I am delighted that tonight is a code three, because that means author, film critic, one of the most amazing women I've ever, ever had the honor to meet, Gemma Files is with us tonight. Gemma, hello, welcome. Hey, so we finally got her to work. <laughs> it looks How are that you way doing? to me. Yeah, I'm doing great. Hey, hey, we had to break down and rebuild the studio to make it work to get you. So, uh, my lord, that's how Im- well, how important you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, I am thrilled. Have you been having a good week? A good weekend? Yeah, yeah, not bad at all. Um, spent the last couple of weeks, three weeks, um, doing what I usually do during Halloween which is watching uh, a an old horror movie and a new horror movie almost every day and talking about them. I like that. I, I like that ritual. And, and uh, can you tell me how you choose the pairings of the old and the new? Uh, yeah. Uh, a lot of the time um, I look for something new that I have wanted to watch and I try to find something in my collection which is fairly extensive that I think will go with it. All right. So, um, yeah, so, so what what did you watch yesterday? Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> yesterday I was uh I was actually uh watching the latter half of um Daredevil because I took like a two-day break um to watch <laughs> uh, Daredevil season 3. Um but God knows there's enough blood and Catholic angst in Daredevil to uh, to make it a horror movie of, of a certain type. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> good, good old Charlie Cox is, as Matt Murdock, uh, you know, what's your superpower exactly? Oh, masochism or possibly Catholicism, but I repeat myself. <laughs> yeah, I get knocked down, but I get up again. You can't ever keep me down, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you guys, you know, I was saying that um, Crystal Crystal Lake, who um, 
has a new Crystal Lake Publishing has a new anthology right. out, Tales from the Lake, Volume Five, of which you are a contributing writer. And um, you guys have really, really turned me on to a world of horror writing that I would have never been introduced to or paid attention to before. It maybe fall in love with you. See, to me, I guess because I read a lot of true crime, to me a horror movie would be well, like, like, well, why don't you watch The Craze? You know about Reggie yeah. and Ronnie Craze. There's a blood in there. Well, The Craze is amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a copy of The Craze. I had to burn oh, it from do. the VHS copy that I had. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it was really, really difficult to find for a long time. Yes. Tell me a wonderful world, word, craze. Crocodile. Crocodile. Yeah, yeah I love that film. Oh, love yes. it. Yeah. As, as, as if I didn't love you more, uh, or if I couldn't, I do even more. Um, I know, it was and written by Philip things. Ridley, who also made an amazing film called The Reflecting Skin, uh, which is oh. sort of a vampire film, but not quite. Yeah, you should check that one out if you can. There's um, a very nice restoration of it that was released fairly recently on Blu-ray. Okay, I will uh, make a note of that because I haven't heard of that, so I will definitely make a note of it now. And uh, and then, of course, with the guys, the uh, Kemp brothers, Stephen Martin Kemp from uh, Spandau Ballet playing the exactly. uh, Cray brothers. Oh, I don't know. I think they're yeah. going to marry you? Back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and how every time it shows the place where his mom and everybody lives, the, the cars get nicer, the neighborhood looks a little bit nicer and fancier. <laughs> the cars That's right. More That's right. Their mom is bringing well, in tea and cake and telling everybody to get their uh, their feet off the furniture. Uh, that's, I always think that when I tell when I tell the talk about my corgis and say, "Mummy loves her little monsters." Yes, she does. <laughs> Yes, she does. Oh. Yes. So, uh, for me, for me, it's all about that monologue that it, that his aunt that their aunt has uh, about the dead babies in the, in the lake. <laughs> oh, refresh my memory. Do you do you remember it? Uh, yeah, the um, their aunt is talking about how she essentially was an abortionist during World War Two. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's what I saw during World War II, you know, pulling babies out of people in pieces and, you know, all the dead babies that got thrown in the, in the lake in the middle of London. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, and, then she, and then she essentially just, she essentially just dies. She has like a nosebleed and dies right there on the couch. <laughs> and they're all, you're like yes, oh, yes, amazing. just just normal boys, just normal boys living in the in the midst of London. <laughs> That's right, really. Well, um, I know, and then, gosh, if I'd known that you, you you had such such a brilliant knowledge of this, I, I would have arranged to play the sun. The sun ain't gonna shine anymore in here, but yeah. I I didn't. But <laughs> but um, and I know you know the reference. I played 19 times in a row that night. And the pub. So yep. um, let me get down for people who to whom you are new, whoever they may be. Mm-hmm. Um, you were born in London. Uh, your parents were actors. You moved to they moved uh, to Toronto in '69, and you are still in Toronto. Am I right? Yep, that's right. Lived right. here all my life. I'm as uh, Canadian as a sack of wet maple leaves. <laughs> And uh, in fact, not only are you that Canadian, but you were once listed, if I am correct, by Cameron Bailey of Now um, as one of the ten top ten 
coolest people in Canada, Canadian cinema for 1996. Yeah, I know. That's, it's just crazy when I look back on that. But uh, <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> I never would have known if he hadn't told me. <laughs> that's how cool you are. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So, you have uh, you are a multi uh, award winning author, and um, I love telling people multi uh, Shirley Jackson awards. Um, I've been nominated that, for a Shirley Jackson award uh, several times, but I only won it once. Nominated is hip enough. In my book, okay, nominated multi times for a yeah. Shirley Jackson Award, and um, and tomorrow night um, I've got my girlfriends alerted to watch out for me in tomorrow night's um, episode of uh, Haunting of Hill House. Ah. To see maybe a tiny Are bit you? of me, three chances to see me, and uh, oh. one of them is just the back of me, but. <laughs> Are, are you playing so a ghost? <laughs> <laughs> Can't tell. NDA, you know how those are. Okay. I, I did indeed watch the entire thing. So the, oh, the Netflix uh, Haunting a Hill House. Yeah. Oh, okay. Did you see a part where they're at yeah. a, a funeral director convention? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and so you were, got- you were in that shot, I take it. Uh, yeah, I should have a few different ones. One is walking in the hotel with somebody who's allegedly my assistant as we're checking into the hotel, walking in from the door mm-hmm. from the outside to the inside, and then going to the desk. One is when there's a man and a woman at the bar having, yep. uh, I think he sent her some wings or something. And while they're yeah. talking, uh, I walk by again with the woman who's, uh, I walk behind the couple that are talking. The stars, I guess they are. Yeah, I walk behind yes. the stars, or them, and I am with the girl who is taller than me that has long blonde hair. My hair is about shoulder length blonde, and we're walking behind them. And I think the third one is just I'm somewhere off in the shot while they're still at the bar, but I'm my back is to them somewhere. So, um, so yeah, you might yeah, get a I, shot I, of my, my big wide J Lo back there, but that's all. <laughs> I've uh, I've definitely seen you then, no. and I actually vaguely remember seeing you. Um, and as for your big white J-Lo, uh, my mom was once in a movie with Richard Burton called Equus, where her entire part was reduced to a shot of her bum going down a hall. <laughs> she was playing a nurse. <laughs> she was like, man, I, I remember we had actual dialogue scenes. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I can hear all the dialogue, but. <laughs> well, uh, well, to to your to your wonderful actress mother, Elva May Hoover, I'm 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 just beholden to um to uh, uh I, I I think I better stop right there before I, I embarrass myself any further. So anyway, if it's good <laughs> enough for Elva May, it's it's then it's an honor for me. So I am thrilled to know that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've seen that already. Okay. Um, I didn't think yeah. it was going to be on until tomorrow. So anyway, so I guess I can let loose of my NDA. Um, no, it's it's basically been on for about a week, I'd say. Oh. I, 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 think it, uh, I think it was up last Friday. So mm-hmm. a lot of people have seen it at this point. And a lot of the uh, horror writers that I know online have seen it. Um, there's There's been uh, some interesting discussion of 
uh, a, a tonal shift that happens um, near the ending of the uh, of the series that I don't want to go into, obviously, because maybe people haven't seen it. But yeah, there's a there's a tonal shift um, that caused some of them oh. to be like, ah, what is this about? It's it's hard to please horror people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like nine times out of ten, it's sort of like it's it's not. Oh, that was too cruel. It's like that was not cruel enough. Come on. <laughs> Surely Jackson would crap on that. <laughs> I I I love the the the. the you got the the guys have the creativity, but you have that purist attitude as well. So um, oh, we do, we really do. <laughs> it's it's and, funny because horror I, is such a it's um you know a lot of people say that horror is kind of up its own behind. I suppose it's it's very um, incestuous to some degree, but that's only because we really are a ghetto inside a ghetto inside a ghetto. Um, there are a lot of horror writers I know who like fantasy. There are a lot of horror writers I know who like science fiction, but uh, there are just so few people who like horror <laughs> uh, where it's like, that's their main, their main thing. <laughs> well, you know, um, so. and, and uh, how, how did you find yourself as a horror writer? I mean, this was just something that you always loved as a child or growing up. Did you read a lot or does it just, what what fast what drew um, you to writing? Okay, well, um, I always knew that I was going to be a writer, uh, and I think at one point I had um, ambitions to write science fiction, but my grasp on science is not so great. Um, I had an urge towards fantasy, but I, it was always fantasy of the darker type. Um, Tannis Lee was a big person for me when I was uh, when I was a kid. Um, and uh, all the sort of grimmer fairy tales, um, literally and figuratively. Uh, I, I I used to tell people that much like Yukio Mishima, uh, my heart's yearning has always been for night and death and blood. Um, but I really don't think that it was until uh, I was uh, in elementary school and I read um, uh, both Dracula and Salem's Lot uh, in probably the same, the same year. Uh, yeah, it would probably be in 1979 when, uh, the John Badham Dracula came out, the one with Frank Langella and, uh, Kate mm-hmm. Elligan. Yeah. And, uh, so I, so I read Dracula and I read, uh, Salem's Lot and, um, in a lot of ways, I guess my fate was sealed at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, as, as I got into high school, I, I began to feel that, um, of all the stuff that I was reading, horror seemed the most realistic to me. There was something about it that, um, really rang psychologically true to me. Um, and, uh, much, much, much later when my son was diagnosed, uh, with autism spectrum disorder, um, uh, the uh, the journey that I took along with him led me to realize that had people been looking for Aspergers in girls back in like the worst part of my childhood, which was probably uh, between 10, 11 to 12, um, where I was like bullied and, and a bully 
and just angry constantly and, and totally unable to understand the people all around me um, and why they did the things that they did and why they wanted the things that they wanted out of me. Um, I, if they'd been looking for Asperger's in, in girls, I might've gotten a diagnosis. Um, mm. So I spent a lot of time in my life kind of feeling that I was broken and unfixable and wrong. And there was something horribly wrong with me that I was a monster essentially uh, that I was just, yeah, angry and hateful and that I hated everybody. Um, and uh, the journey that I went through with my son caused me to realize that no people exhausted me because my brain is configured so that uh, the social recognition stuff that I have to do is being um, rooted through a part of my brain, which is actually meant for doing math problems. So of course it's <laughs> exhausting. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's not so much that I hate people. It's just that they, uh, they make me anxious. Uh, they frighten me. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do next um, a lot of the time. And I just have to watch myself around them all the time. And, you know, I've trained myself pretty well at this point. I'm, I'm 50 years old. Uh, but still, there's always that, that part of me that's like, mm, okay, keep, yeah, <laughs> be aware. <laughs> Something's coming. Um, and in a way, it's sort of like living in a horror universe. And horror appeals to me because... Um, although in the real world, things are always coming out of left field and, and kind of terrorizing you and, and horrifying you, you know, especially today, <laughs> especially these God, days. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, but in, in, in horror, I know that that stuff is going to come. So it's kind mm -hmm. of soothing in a weird way. It's kind of comforting. Um, it's very, uh, it, it is logical. It's it's like it doesn't surprise me. It in fact, you know, soothes me. So that uh, to some degree maybe maybe explains why I ended up um, writing horror. I, I think I think I'm I'm grasping that, and and that's um, a, a lot of your your the things you just presented to me are things that I, I would never would have thought of or thought about, and. Uh, that that fascinates me as well. Of course, then again, I consider myself an armchair. Well, I used to say armchair sociologist until I studied research. <laughs> now I'm an armchair ethnographer. I think that's a excellent, you know, a little fancier. Um, yeah, that's why I think what I write is mostly it's all nonfiction because I just see just stuff around me. If you ever read my blog, Memoirs of a Misanthrope, <laughs> it just feels like there's got to be somebody else out there in the universe watching what's going on and laughing. So I might as well laugh too. Um, so tell me then about, as I was saying, um, Crystal Lake Publishing has um, put out so many good books and introduced me to so many writers I wouldn't have known. And, uh, you know, like yourself, so when Kenneth Kane, who I believe edited or was one of the editors on Tales from the Lake, Volume 5, mm -hmm. uh, contacted me about you and said, you two get this. There were, there were the three writers, you, Lucy Snyder, um, Laura, oh gosh. Yep, Laura, Laura Blackwell. Laura Blackwell, Laura. Lucy Snyder, and Laura. That's right, Laura, pronounced Laura, yeah. L-A-H. Yeah. Pronounced Laura yeah. Blackwell, Lucy Snyder, yeah. and Gemma Files. And he says, you have got to have these women on there. And he even called me and had a long phone conversation, which we hardly ever have time to do because he's busy 
and so forth, yeah, and, and just went on and on. So I thought, okay, this man is serious, and he's never steered me wrong. So um, I tried to get down, get down, and get into it, and get all of you on the on the show. When um, what is the name of the story? Your story and tells from the late volume five. Um, it's called uh, Always After Three. After three, okay, and always after um, three, yeah. Can we? Could we entice you to read a little bit of it to us? Oh, okay. Just a sec. I'm going to have to go into the other room. Um, just one moment, uh, and find my computer. <laughs> okay, um, that's fine. And while you're doing that, I want to then let me go ahead and say, um, yeah, you know. Anybody is welcome to sponsor Madam Perry Salon, and it's a lot costs a lot less than you think. But we certainly do get a lot of fascinating guests and a lot of downloads, a lot of listeners. And um, tonight's sponsor is a recording artist. His name is Rye Bradley. He's a uh, of a country, you know, like a new country artist. Easy on the eyes, mm-hmm. too, Gemma. I know you're married, like I'm married, uh, but you know, just because we're on true. the diet doesn't mean that we can't look at the menu. Okay. And um, but he's oh, his his uh, his newest album is is being considered for a Grammy. Yes, it is. Hey. And uh, and he's got one particular song on there. And if you go to his and I put the link in here on uh, I put the link on the um, episode description that you can go to his website or go to Spotify to hear his newest album. Mm-hmm. But if you go to his website, which is Rye, and that's R-Y, RyeBradley.com, and I've got the link there, too. Um, it'll show you, um, you know, he's got a, it's a pretty fancy website. It's got, you know, some music, pictures, shows, what's going on. But there was one particular song on the show, and it's called, I mean, on, on the album, and it's called The Next Aldine Show. Mm-hmm. And Excellent. it's... Uh, and just to verify all the proceeds, since you know nowadays it's not like when I was growing up. If you want a song, you either bought the forty-five or you bought the whole album, whether you like the right. whole thing or not. <laughs> I remember. Now you get what you want, and um, so. But there's the song on there. It's called the Next Aldine Show, and. Anyone, and, and of course it refers um, to the singer. Uh, if you, uh, let me see, I'm looking at his website now, ryebradley.com. Uh, the next, which refers to Jason Aldean and the um, people who were at the concert in Las Vegas, Route 91 show. Every person who, every every purchase of that song, and it's only 99 cents, but 100% of all proceeds from each download of that song supports the National Compassion Fund, which is a partner with the Las Vegas Victims Fund. Ah. And so, yeah, that's pretty nice. So uh, go to that. It's called The Next Aldine Show, and uh, that's the song, 99 Cents. And um, I thought I'd have it downloaded in time to play it uh, right now, but I don't. But I may add it on to the end of the yeah, show. But he's going to I've asked him to be a guest on the show, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll have him on here very soon. But Rye Bradley, and I'll have all his information there, as well as, of course, if you're listening and you're going, well, hey, Jen, what about Gemma Files? Yes, 
I'll have all the information for to contact Gemma Files on her website where you can buy her books, where you can buy Tales from Lake Volume 5, as well as everything else Gemma Files has done that you can buy. I will have links on that on all of my social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Reddit. Um, do you use Reddit very much? I don't use Reddit very much. In fact, I don't think I've ever used Reddit. It, it took me a while. I, I, I tend to consider Reddit the, I consider it the Sheldon, the Dr. Sheldon Cooper of social media. Because <laughs> it always seems like I know what I'm doing with it. And then all of a sudden I get it. I think everything's fine. And I get a message going, okay, you're in a, like I'm in a penalty box or something for either 30 minutes or a 24 hours because I've done something <laughs> wrong that I can't figure out. <laughs> so, oh my God. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, you know, I would certainly be willing to try it. Uh, I know that I've, uh, I've seen people doing the, those ask me anything um, sessions and yeah. Those are good. And, you know, as an entertainment publicist, I've advised my clients to do that a lot because I've seen a lot of people on there from, you can get people from anywhere from whether I'm, I'm the work, the midnight shift at the convenience store to I work um, to, to, you know, actors in major television shows or uh, people who work at the White House or whatever, saying, I do this, ask me anything. And I've seen the conversations go and people, they've got something to sell, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we can work that up. Call me if you need help. I can't promise I you will. anything, but you can call me. All right. So <laughs> are you ready? Yeah. Um, okay. So this this is from my story, um, Always After Three. Uh, What you need to know is that the main character and uh, her husband live in a condo, and uh, they have had trouble with a neighbor. Uh, They have no (laughs) idea um, who this neighbor is uh, or what exactly he's doing, but he seems to – there's a horrible smell that keeps coming through the – through the walls, uh, and it, sometimes the walls, sometimes the ceiling, sometimes the floor, um, and they uh, they really feel that it's bad for her in particular because she's pregnant. So um, at this point, uh, they have decided to turn to uh, the condo infrastructure for help. Down at the front desk, the security guard looks sympathetic, but you get there really isn't much she can do, at least right now. I can text the concierge, she offers, but he'd probably tell you just, you know, the same thing that I'm going to tell you, which is, um, crap, just one moment. Uh, okay. Yes, here we go. Uh, here we go. That's very I can realistic text the con- concierge, people. she offers. Um, but he'd probably tell you to just go back to bed. I know for a fact he is going to sign off on me calling the cops, not this late, not over a smell and some music. I thought you had noise disturbance bylaws, Kyle says. They're more like standards. Besides, he said you didn't even really know where it's coming from. It's either 766, 770, or 678 if it really is coming up through the floor. That's just logic, right? She shrugs, helpless. Have you spoken to any of the people in those units? Before this, I mean. It's not your job. Um, not really. I'm just here to accept packages and patrol the halls, then note stuff down in my log so real people can deal with it, you know? I can't just go around banging on random people's doors, not in the middle of the night, she pauses. Why don't you record it? How the hell do you record a smell, Kyle demands. No, I mean the music. It's loud, right? Loud enough to wake you up? Play it for the concierge. That might help. More freaky than loud. But it's not a bad idea. 
having made this commitment, it only makes a sort of sense that three more days go by before anything worth recording actually seeps through the walls. First, a low beat whose rhythm skips like a diseased heart's more felt than heard, followed by strings run through a resonator so their notes bend and warp together, sawing, thrumming, skirling, and a vague suggestion of woodwinds underneath, huffing. You're alone on the living room couch, waiting. Kyle manfully fought to stay up the first two nights with you, but his fatigue the next day got him a dressing down from his manager, so you've closed the bedroom door on his heavy snores. Right, left, or hall. The stench seems to point you forward towards the window and the street below, which is ridiculous, but you grab up your phone and fumble with it nonetheless, triggering the recording app, then pause, realizing there's a voice woven in with the noise now, not quite singing, not quite chanting, but definitely human speech, if not any language you can recognize. Although pressing both ear and phone to the wall, holding your breath to keep out the stink, if you could just hear a bit more clearly, then maybe you could figure out why there's a pause every minute or so, the voice repeating itself, chanting similar syllables with rising in intensity, angrier, more frustrated, you close your eyes and lean in, straining to make sense of it, just repetition after repetition, a loop or a round, some sort of experimental project gone wrong, John Cage by way of Yoko Ono, or one of those 10-hour-long white noise performance videos people post on YouTube. Something coils inside of you, draws taut, seems to squeeze. Is that a kick? Too early, you'd think. Last ultrasounds showed the creature you sometimes, though only to yourself in your head, refer to as Ida Jr., flipping around like some transparent minnow, all head and tail, a bare sketch of potential humanity. But here you fade out for a moment, then blink, forcing your eyes to focus. The phone's display says 10 minutes have gone by, more than enough to be getting on with. So you close out, save the sound file, plug the phone back in to charge before curling up in the crook of Kyle's arm. Sleep comes down on you hard, all over, like turning off a light switch. It's not till your phone's trilling ring drags you up out of the black that you realize just how tired you must have been. When you're able to get, get it to your ear and answer, it turns out to be Kyle, already waiting downstairs with the concierge. So you shove yourselves into yourself into clothes and stumble out the door to join him halfway to the elevator you look around and nearly fall disoriented almost to the point of fresh nausea where the fuck are you you don't recognize anything the doors have changed the carpets changed the lights all have new shades all right the renovation fuck you have to shut your eyes again and take a deepish centering breath trying not to choke on the glue fumes in the concierge's office, Kyle recaps the situation while you open up your recording app, pressing play to add his nod. For a second, nothing happens, sending a spike of cold through your gut. Maybe you dream the whole thing and the file contains only dead air, but no, thankfully. It's all there. Eerie atonal music, unintelligible ranting. They fill the office while Kyle and the concierge sit bolt upright simultaneously, both looking poleaxed. Uh, holy Toledo, Kyle says after a beat. The singing's new. Sounds more like an argument to me, except there's only one voice, and it goes on for almost 15 minutes, you tell them. The concierge looks and stares at the phone, finally shaking his head as it's snapping awake. Okay, enough. Stop it, please. Takes a couple of tries, but eventually the racket falls silent. And you've been hearing this every night? Almost, Kyle corrects him, and always after three. Right, Ida? You nod. First the smell, then the music. Now this. The concierge's eye is narrow. But you can't tie down the exact point of origin. Not really. It seems to move. Well, that doesn't make any sense. No, eh, you think, but don't say. 
hearing the echo mm-hmm. of that weird babble resonate through your head as though the file's still playing the note of almost pleading, begging, all authority discarded in a moment, gone from slave master issuing orders to a tearful groveler, urgent but servile, almost hysterical, glossolalic prayers vomiting out in a gush, hot with guilty regret, a supplicant worshiping in vain at some empty, silent church. Answer me. Oh, answer, please. Don't leave me here all alone. Please, 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 please. The concierge rubs his forehead, wincing. All right, any rate, disturbing though that is, until you can identify the apartment, there's a limit to what we can do. Kyle frowns. What? Why? The units are the owner's property, not ours. We can't go in without permission unless it relates specifically to pre-contracted maintenance or verified property damage. Any more than a cop can go in without a warrant or exigent circumstances. Unless you've heard anything that sounds like somebody actually being injured? No. He raises his eyebrows. You feel your face heat. I'm sorry. Kyle lets out a sharp, annoyed breath. Could you at least have the night guard walk our floor around 3 a.m. or something? I mean, if we can hear this, it's got to be audible outside. I'm surprised nobody else has complained, considering last tenant's meeting memo said every unit's being filled. All the units are sold, the concierge corrects him. Not everyone's taken up residence yet. Some people are holding off until the renovations are done. And no, I can't tell you which units are empty and which aren't. Security policy. So what can you do, you finally demand? I can help you fill out a complaint form. So that's it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So, you know, even though I read and heard you read that before, I'm always still hanging on. (laughs) (laughs) Which to me is remarkable. uh, I, I have... I have now read the beginning and the middle. <laughs> so all we, all you all you're paying for is the end. <laughs> so and uh and but to me, you know, some stories there there are some stories that if I can read them again and again and again, you know, that's just yeah. that much more joy. And uh yeah. that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, uh, it is. It fantastic. really is. Now, this oh, is the you. first. This is the first uh, bit that you've had with Crystal Lake Publishing. Am I right? Yes. Yeah, it is. Um, I. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think they contacted me about something else earlier, but it didn't work out for some reason. Um, you know, <laughs> things happen. Uh, but yeah, this has been a really nice opportunity and I'm really, really glad that I was able to write that story for them because it came together very quickly. Um, uh, as, as I said before, uh, all I had to do was look around in my life and go, you know, what thing has happened fairly recently <laughs> to me um, in my condo living experience that uh, I could make into something truly creepy? <laughs> um, and, and, and what had, what had happened uh, at some point? You know that uh, pot just became legal in Canada, right? Yeah. Yeah, and um, but even before that, Toronto has been a very pot-heavy um, environment for, I'd say, like the last six years because um, they the preliminary thing that they did was uh, to um, basically increase the amount that you had to be holding before the cops could arrest you. Um, so stuff for personal use, that's fine. <laughs> Uh, so for the last 
last six years, every time you'd walk past an alley or, you know, like the back of a building or something like that, you get this reek. You get, you know, it's like, oh, my God, skunk. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> about, uh, about two or three years ago um, when, yeah, no, it must have been longer because my son was still, um, was still sleeping in the, in the crib that uh, we had um, we had put together uh, for him when we brought him back from the hospital, basically. Um, so he was probably like somewhere around six, seven years old. And um, <laughs> uh, I, I woke up when, when, evening in the middle of the night and um, realized that there was this heinous smell of pot in the apartment. And I was like, where the hell is that coming from? And I finally realized that it was coming through um, the wall uh, between us and our neighbors. And specifically it was coming in through the wall of my son's uh, part of the apartment, no. my son's room, this room that we had made out of an old nook uh, where we used to uh, keep office furniture. And, um, you know, it's like, I used to write in that nook. Um, <laughs> And, um, yeah, and it was like, holy fuck, holy shit, somebody is um, hotboxing my son in the middle of the night. That's not um, funny. And, and, I don't know why. I'm you know, so I, so I, I had to go downstairs. And I had to talk to the person at the security desk and, you know, try to find out if there was anything that I could do aside from complain that there is someone on – my floor um, within sniffable range of my, of my son's room, um, intensely sniffable range of my son's room, who is smoking so much pot that it is coming through the wall. And I actually feel um, like it is, you know, potentially a danger to him, you know, cause he was a little kid. <laughs> it's like, he was wanting to get high. Well, yeah. um, um, and that was when I, discovered that there isn't really much that they can do you know it's like um I did tell them which apartment I believed it to be and they said well they're you know it's like what are we going to do go, go up there and knock on the door in the middle of the night um we don't actually have the legal right to do that and yeah and then having gotten that as the seed for the story I just pushed it further and further and further um until it turns into black magic because, you know, <laughs> black magic always comes into it somewhere for me. <laughs> why is, why, why that horrible smell, done. black magic? Yeah, it's like, what, what is that guy yelling about black magic? <laughs> what is that music, black magic? <laughs> it's like... <laughs> It's like when I was in Amsterdam back in September. It's like you can always tell when you get to where the tourists gather. That's when you smell oh, like yeah. people that get over there. It's like, yeah, now I can smoke all I want. You know, it's always where the tourists are. And you think, man, it oh, smells yeah. a lot worse yeah. than September. Yeah, people <laughs> but, actually live there. You know, it's sort of like, well, you know, we like to smoke dope, but uh, we also have to hold down jobs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's so funny. You know, it's like there was a. I've been on this big lawn park talking about things going on in the world, you know, and I went every time I get so frustrated and freaked out, I've got this big landscaping, serious landscaping project done. So whenever I get all frustrated, I just go out and pull weeds and I pull them by hand the old fashioned way just to work out my frustrations and, right. uh, and then come up with ideas for 
hopefully creative things. And I said, the house next to me, um, I, I don't think that I don't think that they listen to me, but it's a, it's a single mother, so um, she's been there a year and a half. Does nothing to her yard. It's like it makes mine look good. And but right. the first person that lived there, except for the fam- except for one family, in all these years, that has not made me afraid I was going to get shot, burned down. You know. Um, hasn't been like a nonstop party or a fight, okay? So I am so grateful that she's there, and I'm thinking, well, I guess she works a lot. So every time I work, then I take my hedge tremors and go over, and I do a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit at a time. So it gets a little <laughs> bit better. Not yeah, enough to be not? creepy, but enough to where I'm thinking, if she doesn't have time to do it, if she's working on I want to do whatever I can, yeah. you know? Just, just a little, little bit edging. Here and there. Just team yeah, bits at a time them. so you can just. Yeah, yeah. So it makes it a little better each time, and but nothing real drastic. Like what the, you know, so it won't be creepy. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I am so glad to have you here, and I just wanted to talk about some of your other things too before I have to Absolutely. let you go. Yeah, um, no problem. You, do you want to talk about being a film critic, or do you want to talk about uh, some of your books? I know that uh, you're, you had a short story called The Emperor's Old Bones, uh, yep. won the international. Let me say that again. International Horror Guild Award for Best Short Story of 1999, um, and you've had five of your short stories adapted for the TV series The Hunger. Yes, that's As right. How cool is that? Um, it's extremely cool. Um, you know, even when the the situation is sort of like you you watching the episode and you're like, wow, they changed everything except for. Um, the title, and then they changed the title. <laughs> uh, but I got paid, so what the hell? <laughs> you know? um, this is this is the way the production works. Um, also, uh, you know, with the hunger, they were shooting up here in Montreal, so they needed a certain amount of Canadian content. Um, so I got tapped, and Dave Nickel got tapped, and a couple of other uh, Canadian um, horror writers. Um, they bought up our, the rights to various short stories of ours, uh, so that they could at least say that, um, you know, there's always a a lot of, uh, sort of dipping and diving that happens up here because you can get a certain amount of, uh, funding refunded to you, um, by the provincial government, uh, if you shoot in a particular province, um, and if you go a little further with uh, a certain amount of Canadian content, you can even get funding from the federal government um, to, you know, to and, and it's great because it gives you a certain amount of your budget back. Um, and mm-hmm. it means that people come up from the States to, um, to mount movies and series up here uh, and they employ Canadians. Um, so a lot of the infrastructure of The Hunger was – you know, Canadian people working behind the camera, Canadian people working in front of the camera, but not in like starring positions. Um, what the two things that they normally did was that they would import um, uh, like one star from the States that they thought had some version of TDQ, some version of being identifiable enough that people could go, oh, yeah, that's so and so. Yeah, you know, in in one case, it's like, uh, it's 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 that one girl, it's that one woman from uh, from Raging Bull. You know, the the chick who played his wife. I can't remember what her name is. Um, She's got this amazing New York gritty voice. Um, And and I can't think of it. 
I yeah, can't exactly. think of it either. <laughs> yeah, although, that was interesting although, working I'll, with her because, you know, it was an erotic horror series. Um, so they had essentially told me to put a lot of sex in the, you know, they, they optioned my, my story because it had a lot of sex in it. Um, but the minute, oh, Kathy Moriarty, her name is Kathy Moriarty. Oh, yeah. And, and the minute that Kathy Moriarty came to, came to set, um, suddenly all the sex had to be taken out because she was like, I don't kiss no girl. That's not going to happen. You know, it's like it was all this lesbian <laughs> sex. <laughs> and she's like, nope. <laughs> so, uh, that was one of the episodes that I was actually the screenwriter on, that I was doing the teleplay on. Um, the ad- I was adapting my own stuff. So I had to go through and take out pretty much all implication that she was any sort of a lesbian or a bisexual person. Um, and, but put in more um, nakedness. It's sort of like, okay, so the main character will have a bath for no reason. <laughs> you know, just, you know, a totally naked bath. It's fine. She's Canadian. No one cares. You know, <laughs> Kathy Moriarty can keep all her clothes on. You know, they they also hired this uh, this woman from uh, from Montreal who had this extremely sexy voice to give most of the exposition to her. So she sounded like she was coming on to Kathy Moriarty, and Kathy Moriarty had this look on her face like, "What? What? What are you saying? Are you trying to get in bed with me or something?" Uh. But um, but yeah, you know. So if if you're willing to go to a certain amount of Canadian content um, in uh, be, behind the screens and in front of the screens, you can get a certain amount of money back. Um, and nine times out of ten, uh, they would import the director and they would import uh, a star, and everybody else would be Canadian. Um, but every once in a while, they had to go a little further. <laughs> In order to get just a little bit more money, and that's when, you know, Canadian horror writers got tapped. So, <laughs> so they would wow. they would buy up our, our stories, and in in two cases, I adapted the stories myself, and that was wonderful because I was able to get a you know two screenwriting credits, uh, make a, a nice chunk of money, which is pleasant. Yeah. Um, but better yet, I was able to get into the Writers Guild of Canada. Um, so. You know, I'm a paid-up member of that. Um, yeah, much as well, much as ex- much as it's helped me over the years. Um, uh, but you know, and 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 I was able to feel that that was like one of the first professional things that I did. Um, but um, but yeah, other than that, well, you know, so many e- strange, even Elmore Leonard stories. who wrote. Listen, you're yeah. going to have to come back because we're out of time and I've got to hear more about this. But even, you know, I'm even sorry. Elmore Leonard, when the movie was made, oh, I'm sorry too. The uh, who wrote Get Shorty said when the movie was made, yeah. he's like, I could, I don't know what's going on. I wrote the book and I don't even know what's going on. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. But then again, uh, James Elroy um, said, I oh, yeah, all these people come up to me and they complain. Hollywood, oh, Hollywood bought my idea and they made a movie and it's nothing like my book. And I, all I have to say is, well, you took the fucking money, didn't you, cocksucker? <laughs> exactly. And I'd take it and I don't care what they would do with it. So, yes. Fine oh, hell yes. Hey, <laughs> Gemma Files, best of luck in everything that you continue to do and uh, with your work. Oh, if you, you so want, much. I will be sharing. Your social media, uh, links to everything of yours on all of my social media, and I am just so thrilled to have you here. I do seriously hope you will come back to Madame Perry's salon. I absolutely will.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.